0: Pour yourself a cold one. strike them, huh? And listen to Ross Tucker and Philadelphia Eagles film junkie Fran Duffy break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of the College Draft. Yeah, it is, Daddy. Soda time here on the College Draft podcast, which is always presented by BetOnline.ag. And can you believe that the draft for this year is two weeks? From Thursday? I mean, that's crazy. We are 16 days away from the 2019 NFL Draft. This is always when it gets fun. The last two weeks is when there really starts to be a buzz about what we've got going on those of you that listen to the show you know my name is ross tucker you can check me out on twitter at ross tucker nfl that's also my instagram if you're a facebook person it's facebook.com slash ross tucker nfl and if you listen to the ross tucker football podcast you know that i have a spread the word winner via social media every single week meaning and by the way Retweeting when I post the show, any of them, college draft, even money, fantasy fees, business of sports, hazard ground, retweeting any of those counts to automatically enter you into a contest over to win a signed picture, a signed card, maybe even a press pass from a game I did. A lot of college football press passes still left over. So, so all you need to do is retweet us on Twitter or like it on Facebook. Or on Instagram. It's very simple. Or if you take advantage of any of our sponsors. Like betonline.ag. Or you go to the homepage. Or the sponsor page over at RossTucker.com. You can see our other sponsors. Like One Hundred flowers More on that a little bit later. And you're all good. Send it to me. Ross at RossTucker.com. And you're automatically entered. To win a little something something. And remember this week by the way. We got a special offer on SeatGeek. You download the SeatGeek app and you put your, uh, the promo code in. Tucker, you don't have to pay anything. Just get the SeatGeek app. Best app by, for tickets, by the way. Put the promo code Tucker in. Take a screenshot of that. That's all you need to do. Send it to me. I guarantee I'll send you a signed picture or signed card in the mail, which is pretty cool. So Anyway, a lot going on, including we've got Matt Miller. From Bleacher Report on today's show, just like last week with Kyle Krabs, I'm really into getting differing opinions. I'm really into finding out where you know people differ in terms of players they really like, players they don't. So without further ado, let's talk to Matt. After I make sure you guys all know, myfrontpagestory.com is the greatest Mother's Day gift in the galaxy. Just trust me. Look at any of the stories at MyFrontPageStory.com. Picture how happy your mom would be when you give one of those. Anyway, it's Matt Miller time. He is one of the best in the business. I told told you guys about him earlier in the show. Uh, He's got a great Twitter handle, by the way, at NFL Draft Scout. He's Matt Miller from Bleacher Report, who's... All over the draft and has been. Matt, I remember when you were like a newbie. Like, I remember when you were just starting out. Now you're like, uh, what, like a 10 year veteran?
1: Uh, close. I've been a police Report for eight years. So, uh, but you know, I've been doing this. Gosh, I'm dating myself. I've been doing this for a long time. So, um, if you remember my start, though, you've been doing this a long time, too. So, we're getting old together.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I absolutely remember. It. You know, like a lot of other things. I didn't know who you were at first, and people didn't know who I was at first. And then started to follow your work, and uh, you are killing it over there at Bleacher Report. Highly encourage people to check out his Twitter handle at NFL Draft Scout. What else you got going? What's uh, what's mic'd up ten thirteen?
1: Yeah. So um, I. And all this free time that I have, decided to start a weekly radio show in my little hometown of Joplin, Missouri. Just, like, you know, I'm sure you understand this, too. Like, when you when you live in football all the time, like, you need an outlet for something else. So we decided, uh, one of my podcast co-hosts and I decided to start a radio show. And it gives us a chance to talk about, like, Royals baseball. And, you know, to talk about March Madness and, and the NBA. And I'm a big hockey fan, so we get to talk about NHL. So it's kind of just like a little little hobby that you know brings in some money each month but it's fun to you know also I I think it makes me a better podcast host makes me a better writer to have to go through and plot out a radio show each week so yeah I mean I'm writing and doing video for Bleacher Report we have a stick to football podcast three times a week for Bleacher Report and now I'm doing local radio too so um, I'm a glutton for punishment basically
0: you know it's funny because even though um you know, it's still football. When I go on on WIP in Philly or I do this Keystone Sports Network thing in central Pennsylvania, the Harrisburg Hershey area where I live, which is a Penn State football thing, that is sort of my reprieve a little bit because, um, you know, I grew up like a Penn State and Eagles fan. So it's like with every passing year, it's it's kind of fun for me to talk about those two. Not that every, I mean everything I talk about is fun. Everything football is fun, but um, I don't know. Especially when I'm talking about those, because everybody around me is talking about those, and they all care about it so much. It's kind of fun to get into that stuff. And right now, everybody's talking about the draft, with it being, you know, just a couple weeks away at this point. I did this last week, Matt, and wanted to do it again this week. What I always find most compelling this time of year are people's opinions that are different from the consensus. Because you get to the point, Matt, where you see the same thirty-five to forty names in the first <laughs> yeah. round of every mock draft. See, you know, most of these mock drafts, there's really only three or four different people that the teams give to them. You know, that the guy gives to the team. It's like, sometimes I feel like they just look at somebody else's mock draft or a couple other mock drafts and just make up their own. Like, I'll give this guy this one, this guy this one. So I really like, because we we know that the draft's not like that. I mean, you know, I I still remember when Terrell Edmonds went in the first round of the Steelers last year. You know, there's other guys that you think are going top ten. I remember Sharif Floyd dropping. I just, there's always interesting themes, and you realize, wow, teams were higher or lower on some of these guys, or at least one team was, on some of these guys and other teams. So I like when I like when analysts such as yourself that really put a lot of time into this, I like when you actually, you know, stick your neck out there and say, you know, here's some of the guys I have strong beliefs in that we're not we're not hearing about as much in this light. So I guess I'm a positive person. So let's start with the guys, some of the guys that that you are much higher on than most, Matt, for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll do my best at this. Like you said, it does get to feel sometimes like there's a lot of groupthink with the NFL draft. And so I have established this uh, habit of, and it's hard for me because I'm such a draft fan, I try not to read Mel Kuyper or Todd McShay or Daniel Jeremiah or Bucky Brooks. Like, I try to live in my own little bubble, which can be hard to do with Twitter. Like, you're going to see other people's work, but, like, I don't want their work subconsciously, you know, affecting mine. So I try to stay kind of isolated. But from what I've been told by the lovely people on Twitter, I am really, really high on Josh Jacobs, the running back from Alabama. I have him as a, a number eight overall on my big board, um, I, and I, I think he is a plug-and-play three-down, just monster running back. He he runs with power. Uh, he runs with passion too. Like he'll the lower shoulder and just put guys in the dirt, but he catches the ball. well. I mean, he's, he's a smooth route runner and not just on dump offs. Like he can actually run some routes for you if you motion them out. Um So he's in a nice blend of physical, but also, you know, has that agility and has the, the, the hands and route running understanding to be an impact on third down. So I know he didn't test super well. He didn't run a great 40, but you know, his 10 yard splits look good. His his agility look good. And his tape is fantastic. Only a one year, player really at Alabama, but I think that's more a credit to how well Nick Saban recruits that he's going to always have, you know, a couple dudes down there who are really good running backs and they're going to share the load. So unlike, you know, a Derrick Henry uh, or guys like that coming out of Alabama, Josh Jacobs really doesn't have a lot of wear and tear. You know, he's still pretty fresh legs. He did not have a lot of injuries, did have a hamstring pop up in the draft process, but he's someone that I think is a total package and is exactly what the NFL wants at a running back position now.
0: Totally agree about you know the usage. That's only a positive in my mind, and in terms of total package, I've seen some just Twitter clips. I I go back and study some of the old linemen. I don't go back and like study a running back, but just seeing some of the clips on Twitter of Josh Jacobs blocking, I can just tell you I love that dude. You know what I mean? Just seeing just seeing him doink a couple guys and knock them out. I mean, that is. You want to talk about a way to ingratiate yourself with teammates, too. Um, that's a really good sign for a young running back like that. Who else you got that, you, uh, that you've got ranked higher than other people based on what the Twitter folks tell you?
1: Yeah, so at wide receiver, I think everyone fell in love with DK Metcalf. You know, the measurables are unreal. you know, almost 230 pounds. He looks like a, a Greek god. Well, I actually don't like dk metcalf i like his teammate aj brown um he's i was actually um i was on a flight yesterday and i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna use this three hours i'm gonna watch some more dk metcalf maybe i'm missing something you know i just want to go back and, and, and watch it again and i couldn't focus on him because i was watching a, aj brown so much he's just such a good route runner and he catches the ball so well and i know like In this era of, you know, we have spark scores and all the metrics and analytics, like sometimes it just comes down to, can you run good routes and get open and can you actually catch the ball? It doesn't matter how big you are. And and with AJ Brown, like he's a good size guy, six foot tall, 225 pounds. He he played in the slot. He he played anywhere that Ole Miss needed him to play and was just incredibly dependable and reliable. So The word safe is kind of a dirty word with draft prospects because safe can be boring or not very good. But I think A.J. Brown is the safest receiver in this year's class. He's not going to have the upside of DK Metcalf. He's not, he's, he is fast, but he's not that fast. He's not, you know, freakishly big and strong, but he's just really, really consistent. And I I think guys like that, you know, obviously scheme matters a lot for wide receiver prospects. But if you get A.J. Brown in the right scheme where, you know, where he can run a lot of breaking routes, slant routes, comebacks, he could be, I think he could be a, a dynamic rookie receiver, you know, a 70-catch guy, 1,000 yards, someone who steps right in and has a huge impact. And and he might not be the first receiver off the board. He might not be the second. I, I think there's a chance he might not even be the third. But on my board, he's the best one.
0: Wow. All right. I love it. And I love the, uh, the simplistic approach, too, because the position is about getting open and catching the ball. And I think sometimes people make it a little bit more than that. Uh, anybody else on the uh, the positive side of the ledger? You know, I, I also
1: really like this corner from Clemson, Trayvon Mullen. He's kind of like been my guy all year. I mean, even early, going back to September, watching Clemson the first couple of weeks was like, man, I, I really like Trayvon Mullen. And he, you know, he had a good year, but he didn't have like a dominant statistical season. So I think there was a lot of, oh, man, maybe this guy's not that good. But I think – Some of that too is, you know, when you're like, if you work in the media, you don't get, you know, that weekly film dump that teams get. So sometimes you're you're waiting until December, January, February to get game film. And it's hard to watch corners on TV. So I think some people were maybe a little late to the party on Trayvon Mullen. But if you watched him in a national championship game, he took over. You know, he had a, a sack coming off a corner blitz. He had an interception. That's the type of player that I saw all year long, just Physical and he's six one, two hundred 200 pounds. You're at a 4'4'6. He did have good production. He also really wasn't challenged all that much. So the fact that he you know, was the defensive MVP of that game, he had six tackles uh, as well. Like that's the, the type of play that I really, really like from him. He's long, he's tall, he's fast. He's, he can play a man coverage, he can play his coverage. So in a year that doesn't have a marquee corner, you know, there's not even really a consensus number one guy. It might be Greedy Williams. Some folks like byron murphy i think trayvon mullen deserves to be right there in the mix with those players too
0: anybody else on that uh, that you're a lot higher on than most of the other folks matt before we switch over to guys that you're a little more concerned about
1: i think that's it on the, the guys i'm really high on but that's the easy thing right is to pick guys that you're high on um and or excuse me it's easier to pick the guys that you're low on um i, I think you know, this year I have around fifteen or sixteen players that actually got a first round grade. So it's a great draft at the top, but I get a lot more concerned once you get out of the like Nick Bosa, Quinn and Williams, Ed Oliver kind of range is when I start to get a little antsy about this draft. Let's
0: get let's get to the other side of it and some of the guys that you're a little antsy about.
1: Yeah, I think to start off, I, I will say that Uh, I feel like I'm a a harsh grader at quarterback because I've been burned in the past by being too easy. I'm not very high on Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State. Now, I I say that knowing full well he could be a top six pick in this draft. And if the Giants draft him at six, I'll probably applaud that selection because they need to go out and get a quarterback. If he ends up falling to 15 to Washington, it's a really good pick as well. you got to bet on the upside of a guy who was a one-year starter. But I see enough concerns in his game that – I think every year this happens where if there's not you know a great quarterback class, the media and I'm responsible for this as well as anybody, and teams will create hype for players. And I I think that happened a little bit with Dwayne Haskins, who as a one-year starter has some promise. Like there's some things to like there, but there's some concerns as well. Especially you know if he gets drafted by a team that wants to throw the ball deep down the field, that's just something he didn't do a whole lot of at Ohio State. So it's not necessarily you know where we can sit back and and you know show you you know, 40 plays saying, okay, Ross, here's why he can't do it. It's more like I've not seen him do this a lot. Now, if you want to run like an old school West Coast offense or, you know, something like what the Rams are doing with a ton of underneath concepts, that's where he's going to pick you apart. And he's very, very good at the underneath game, but, you know, he's not very mobile in the pocket um, at all, and he's not a downfield thrower. And those, those two things usually is one or the other, right? Usually you've got the big arm and you can throw – you know, on platform from in the pocket and just launch it downfield or you're a guy who's going to move around and make plays, he doesn't really do either. So you almost get like a a Jared Goff feel from him where if he doesn't go to a team that will take advantage of what he does well, then he's going to be in trouble. And that sounds so simple, but we've seen it happen so many times where a guy gets drafted and and the team, you know, whether you change coaches or the coaching staff maybe wasn't even all in on the player and, and they're not they're not running the same concepts that are best for that quarterback. So with Haskins, you know, as compared to someone like Kyler Murray, who has the arm and athleticism something really do anything you want him to do, um, it, the biggest concern is height. With Haskins, it's like, gosh, I, I really wish that we had seen him make some more big throws.
0: Well, that's interesting, because I've been wondering why these reports of him maybe being the fourth quarterback taken and slipping. I've been kind of wondering where that was coming from. So it, it's good to hear somebody actually – verbalize that and, and what those concerns are what about uh anybody else that that you're antsy about for one reason or another
1: yeah man there's a lot of them um you know i look at rashawn gary from michigan who again this guy could be a top five pick like it, it would not be a surprise if tampa at five you know just said, all right this, this is gonna be our guy I, I worry so much about you know a traits only type prospect and i'll say this his traits are great he was he is an elite athlete who I believe was misused some at Michigan, but you still want at some point a guy who's gonna be a top ten pick to have been the best player on his defense, and he wasn't. Like Devin Bush was, or Chase Winovich was. With Rashawn Gary, you know, he was a five star player coming out of New Jersey in high school. And sometimes, you know, that five star label gets attached to you as a player and you're not challenged a whole lot. and, and with him it's like, All right, man show me the game where I'm supposed to believe that you are a top-five pick or a top-five player in this class, and you're really not going to find it. Now, there are some flashes. There are some moments where the dude comes off the ball, and he's explosive, and he uses a long arm well to keep blockers off his frame, and you see him bend around the edge. And there are a lot of games where he doesn't do anything at all, especially in some of the bigger games against better teams. You know, he didn't show out. So I worry about him while at the same time recognizing you know, and it, it's kind of like the DK Metcalf argument. Like, this guy has phenomenal traits, and there's a chance that, that it's going to click and he's going to blow up because you can see it. You know, you see the speed, the strength, the the agility with Rashawn Gary, but it didn't lead to production. So that's always a bit of a concern for me.
0: Yeah. You know what? You're preaching to the choir here, Matt. I am a production over traits guy. Um, I I always have been. Sometimes those traits guys figure it out and end up being really good players, but if I had to invest my money and put my career on it, I'm putting I'm putting my money and my career on, on the guys that that have shown that they can produce on the football field. Give me give me one more guy that you are um you know, a little bit nervous about.
1: Yeah, let's uh let's go to your roots, man. Let's go O line. Andre Dillard from Washington State. Um, is getting so much hype right now maybe you know maybe even as a top 15 pick and i can kind of understand why he's a very good athlete he moves well the pass protection but if you go watch his rundowns you're going to be terrified because there's just not any power to his game and and at first i even the first couple games i watched it was like oh well you know he plays for mike leach you know what do you expect him to do in the run game but it's not just you know that he hasn't been coached in that area it's really a lack of power so I look at Andre Dillard as more of a project than I did, you know, when we were talking about him in December. Getting a chance to watch him at the Senior Bowl and watch the combine and get caught up on on all his tape throughout the last couple months, I, I have some pretty big reservations about him. And and to the point that, like, I personally don't think he should be a first round pick, but but he will be. You know, it'd be like Colton Miller last year coming out of UCLA. Like enough teams need offensive tackles, and if there's not one, you're going to draft somebody that you believe that you can develop instead of like getting a guy like Dalton Reisner at Kansas State, who you know is not this body beautiful prospect. He's just a really good player. Teams, for whatever reason, convince themselves that you got to go with uh, the prospect over the player, and and I think that happens at offensive tackle, maybe as much as it does anywhere but quarterback, where. You you almost have to have an imagination when you're watching these guys on film to say, all right, well if we just change this this this, it's like think a fixer upper type house. You know, you you look at well this is in a good neighborhood, so if we just rip all the floors out and paint the walls, you know, maybe it'll be a decent house. Like to me, that's that's Andre Dillard. It's like man, he he is a good athlete and and he moves on pass pro, which is I know where the game's going, but you, you still got to run the ball, and, and he just scares me when it comes to those first and second down plays.
0: Matt, I've got an email question for you, actually, uh, and it comes to us from Ed Lane, who took advantage of the code football over at 1-800-Flowers.com, and I want to ask it to you because it's a good one that I was wondering too. Whatever happened to Miami defensive tackle Gerald Willis and West Virginia offensive tackle Yanni Kajust? Uh, they seem to be getting a lot of buzz late in the season, and they have not popped up much on anybody's radar since the draft process has gotten underway. Could they be the kind of players who mysteriously aren't drafted until day three because of the issues teams know about, injuries, personality, character, etc., that may not have gotten much public attention? I didn't watch Yadney that much, but I did do the I, I broadcast the Miami-Virginia Tech game late in the year. I was pretty impressed by Willis, but I don't see him – and any of like the top 10 D tackle rankings anywhere um so what do you, what do you know if anything Matt, about those two players
1: yeah i think with willis um some of it is that he's getting caught in a really good defensive tackle class so you're, he's probably not a top 10 defensive tackle but he should still be around 3 to 4 type player i would think um you know he's a, he's good um he had a hand injury that that cost him the bowl game and and you know Affected the process a little bit for him, but, you know, he definitely flashes and, and he has really, really good second effort. I think pad height is a big issue for him. Also, you know, he was a Florida guy who left Florida and went to Miami. So I think there's some questions about the background for him. Uh, not like, you know, there's not like a rush record or any videos like a Jeffrey Simmons type thing. It's just more about like maturity, consistency as a player. Yannick is really interesting because I actually still like him. Um, he sat out the bowl game, you know, so he could focus on the drafts, which I, I applaud. Like I get it. You know, you got a you got a chance to go make yourself money. You don't want to get hurt. The problem is he actually got hurt in the process. He had a hip injury. So I think that is pushing him down a little bit. I, I like him. We were just talking about Andre Dillard. I think I like to just more because he actually has some power. He is really inconsistent at times. And, you know, they both. Kajos and Dillard, like they benefit from some of the wide splits that they have as offensive linemen in those schemes. But I think he is more likely to be an impact in rushdowns than some of the other offensive tackles that we've kind of seen get hyped up in this class. So that was a really good question. I think Kajos could be an early round three player, depending on how teams view the injury he had in the draft process.
0: And then the last thing, Matt, just quickly, because I know it was recently you reported something with Josh Rosen uh, reporting for workouts yesterday with the Arizona Cardinals, which seems a little bit awkward. Correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but it was it was you that reported something regarding the trade interest that the Cardinals have gotten to this point, correct?
1: Yeah, that was, uh, I believe that was last week. My days are running together now, but I, I've been told by uh, a couple of sources around the league that they, they'd had two offers for him, but they're not good offers. You know, they're trying to get a first-round pick, and it. It seems like teams right now are trying to stay in that late second, early third range as far as compensation. So I think there's a little bit a little bit of a gap between reality and what the Cardinals want. So it's going to be real interesting. I was surprised he showed up. I think Rosen's doing a good job maybe discrediting some of the myths about what he's like as a locker room guy. You know, you show up for, for OTAs when there's a chance you're going to get traded. I, I think that says a lot about you.
0: Matt, always appreciate the time. Terrific stuff. I knew it would be. Highly encourage people to check you out on Twitter, at NFL Draft Scout, as well as check out your outstanding podcast, Stick to Football, which is a great name for a podcast, by the way. Matt, thanks so much. Yeah, appreciate you, man. Have a great day. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Matt as much as I did. I've got good news and bad news, okay? The bad news is... College basketball is over. Virginia won overtime last night. Yes, I'm tired because I stayed up till midnight watching it. Uh, the good news is there are still other sporting events that you can bet on at betonline.ag using the promo code PODCAST1 so you get that 50% welcome bonus. How about the Masters? Golf is always a pretty fun sport to bet on. You got the Masters this weekend. You know, a lot of you like betting on football, then you like betting on March Madness. The Masters is the next sort of uh, big event on the docket that you can bet on. NBA playoffs right around the corner. Heck, the NHL playoffs are starting right now. So a bunch of different things that you can get into if you want to get into uh, in terms of betting. You just need to do it over at betonline.ag using the promo code Podcast one. That is the key. The key for me is that you guys help spread the word about the show. It means a great deal. By the way, speaking of betting, uh, we will record the Even Money podcast today. So looking forward to that. We're going to talk NFC team win totals with Steve Fezik. So if you're a fan of NFC team, you're going to want to hear what we say in terms of whether your team's going to win more or less right now than what the Vegas folks over at betonline.ag are saying. Other than that, uh, I I think we're done here. Keg's kicked. We're all tapped out. Thanks for enjoying your frosty one while listening to the College Draft. Chuck, 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 chuck. Make sure you're also subscribing to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, and Even Money
1: Podcasts, all available on iTunes at rostucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.